Support for this broadcast and the following message come from the Texas Dog Father, where they proudly train all breeds, sizes, and temperaments, from puppy training and general obedience to anxiety, fear, or aggression. They offer a 30-day immersion board and train program and are located in Katy, Texas. Visit the Texas Dog Father on Facebook today and receive $25 off an assessment when you mention this podcast. I'm Robin Arudi and welcome to Dog Stories. I'm a photographer, writer, animal advocate, and dog lover. Each week I plan to bring you inspiring interviews, educational tidbits, and witty conversations with an assortment of fun guests. They'll share their stories about relationships with dogs and how that impacts all of our lives. I hope you are inspired by these stories of survival, selflessness, and unconditional love. I wanted to give you a little bit of an introduction on today's episode. A few weeks ago, I was on location photographing an adoptable dog at a training facility in Katy, Texas. Her name is Bela, and she's a gorgeous Rottweiler. The more I found out about her, the more curious I became about her story. You're about to hear a very impromptu and really raw interview I did with three of the most important humans in Bela's life. There's Matt, her trainer, Rhea, her friend, and Sarah, her foster parent. The recording is not the best and there's a bit of background noise, but if you love dogs and you want to hear an incredible story, then keep listening. It was this interview that inspired me to start podcasting. I love telling stories and have always imagined how cool it would be if my photos could speak. I feel like now, in a way, they will. As always, thanks for listening. Tell me how you met Bela. So, Bela, um, I knew Bela's owner, who's a very good friend of mine. We worked together, and uh, he became my mentor about 10 years ago. And we always shared the love of Rottweilers and talked about it. And so, he talked for years about getting a dog. Um, And, of course, I always tried to get him to do fostering. And he decided he wanted to get a dog to do search and rescue. So he did a lot of research. He was a heavy researcher, very intelligent person, and uh, researched out um, the type of of personality he thought would be good to train for search and rescue. So he found Bela and adopted her, I think, 10 to 12 weeks old. Yeah, she was was a baby. She was a baby. So um, he had her, and um, at the time that I stopped working for him, he started to get sick and went through a prolonged illness and I kept in touch with him and visited him and five weeks before he passed away he asked me to go to lunch and asked me if I would help in finding a place for Dale. Um because he couldn't take care of her anymore. Mm. He had been through, he had had a liver transplant, and uh, he had been sick for about four years. Hmm. Most of Bela's life. Um, and, um... What did you tell him when you, when he asked you? Absolutely, of course. Um, so, um, when he went into the hospital, 
He's an ICU. And um, his son called me. And I said, just keep me posted and let me know what you need from me for Bela. So we stayed in contact. And he died just a week later. And um, then Bela, Bela came to me within three or four weeks as a foster. Then some things happened at your house. So some things happened at my house. Um, I have three female dogs. Two of them are ill. Well, one of them has since passed. And um, we have two small children. And we quickly learned that Bela's personality wasn't one that we could integrate into our house easily. So, you know, I've had at least 20 dogs fosters in my home, and I have a method that I've used. It's been successful. Slow introductions, you know, keeping them in the foyer, keeping them separated, but Bela has this heightened excitement level that I had never seen before, and um, and I didn't really know how to deal with it, so I separated her more, and then I think what I thought was increasing the problem because then it would increase her excitement level when she would see people and dogs and so that's where I started running her six miles a day <laughs> trying to get her so tired that she just couldn't react to anything but that didn't work <laughs> um, and then we live in a neighborhood where people um, use our, our ball field as a dog park and let dogs run off the leash and I knew if we were at a critical stage when she had an off leash dog, dog jump on top of her and she snapped at the dog in self-defense. I mean, I didn't even see the dog coming and the dog screamed and, and lay down and didn't fight back. And mm -hmm. I knew that I needed a professional. I knew I needed okay. help. And, and you found... I found Matt. You found Matt Bryant, who is... The Texas dog father. How did you come up with that name? Because I don't know if I ever even asked you that. You know, I don't know. The name was kind of given to me um, <laughs> like 10, 11 years ago, and everyone kind of laughed about it, and it was funny. And <laughs> then uh, it was actually just the dog father. And then when uh, I went to incorporate, I learned I need to add it to Texas dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was a hot dog vendor that I Is was there any? <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. So yeah, the name just stuck and it was something that everyone remembered and then, it, and then as I started developing the family language and my own method, the dog father and the family language and parenting dogs, it just all seemed to fit together so perfectly that people kind of stopped mentioning it as in the, the godfather type vein and more into the can, parenting. Can we talk about that for a minute? Just sure. pretend I have no idea what you're talking about, which, you know, just saying. The family, the, the the philosophy. Can you just say more about how sure. you uh, work? Yeah. Um, initially, well, in my previous life, I was a business analyst. So, in your job as a business analyst, you go around studying the best practices of those who are doing whatever it is you want to do well. Um, and so, I took that same philosophy and I looked at nationwide who are some of the best trainers around, who are the most successful the most respected, and I went and I studied under them, and I just gleaned all the information I could get, came back to Houston, started training dogs, and found that it was wholly ineffective. I mean, it, it really wasn't accomplishing 
it, I may get the dog to sit and stay, but it really didn't change the home life at all. It did nothing for the parents. They still bolted out the front door. Mm. So I was very dissatisfied with classic operant conditioning, learned behavior type training. Then I found out about this guy in, in Los Angeles that was doing instinctual training. He was working with what he calls the dominance language. And that's where you have to be the pack leader and you're calm assertive and making sure that they are submissive. And I went out and I learned from him and I brought that technique back and I was much more successful with behavioral issues than I'd been before. However, the dogs that I had trained, they wouldn't look me in the eye and it broke my heart. I, oh. I couldn't bear that and I realized that there's still got to be something left. So I just happenstance, fortuitively, I started working with um, a breeder very close to me right down the street and, and actually I say breeder loosely, it was more like a puppy mill and instead of in my outrage shutting them down, I decided to work with this person and help them legitimize what it was they were doing. And in the context of working with these small groups of dogs that were related and yet in company with other dogs that they weren't related, I saw a whole nother language being spoken. And I realized that dogs speak two languages. Yes, they speak the dominance language, and that's what we see at the dog parks and what we see at the vet clinics and between fences and so forth. Um, but dogs speak a whole other language. It's a language that we in America don't ever see because we take our puppies away from their parents at six weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, right at the most critical time of them developing impulse control, social skills, you know, fear management, all of those. And that's when their brain is coming online with those things and we take them away from their examples. So it falls to us to teach them, but we speak the dominance language like we've learned on TV. And when you speak dominance to a dog, they speak it back. So if you want a dog to challenge you frequently, speak dominance to them. But then I learned this other language and I brought it back here and I started teaching, or speaking it to my daycare pack. And I saw that dogs that aren't even related, it triggers an instinct of puppyhood and instead of saying you're the dominant boss and I'm going to do what you want while you're there to make sure it happens, they begin to look to you and say what do I do next because puppies have an instinct to learn from their parents. They believe their survival depends on learning their skills from their parents. So if you play that role to them, they begin to look to you for answers rather than trying to make it up on their own or relying on their old instincts. So I took that language and over the course of a summer, I kind of learned how to translate it into English, how to form it into a method focused on our lifestyles and what we need our dogs to be able to do in our home, which is very different than a den. No one ever comes and circulates around the den and visits, but we have revolving doors, so they don't have instincts for how to handle the front door. That's why the front door is always such a problem. So we can step in with dominance and kick them into shape or we can teach them, here's what we want you to do at the front door. Then they look forward to doing it well and, and pleasing mom or dad, rather than just having to come underneath that dominance correction type style. So that's what we're doing now is we're, wow. we're speaking a whole other language that triggers whole other instincts. So instead of teaching Bela not to bite another dog's neck, we teach her to want companionship from this potential family member because that's the language that's being spoken to all of them. Is it, is it positive reinforcement training? Always has to be. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't kick a, a dog to confidence. You can't, you can't build trust with harsh techniques. 
you, you have to lead by example. If I want them to be calm, I've got to be calm. I want to demonstrate to them. I have four conversations that I always have with the dogs on a daily basis. Number one, I'm the parent, not the pack leader, the parent. It triggers a whole different set of instincts in them. It, instead of competition, like from dominance, it's cooperation. Instead of guarding, it's sharing, because that's what moves the family forward, right? So if I speak in that manner and show them, here's the other most important thing, instead of waiting for them to make a mistake and then punishing them for getting it wrong, even with a, a leash pop or horribly with like a shock collar or a prong collar, that's the dark side of the force. But even the positive ways where they say, well, I just withdraw any reward, it's still punishment for getting it wrong. What I want to do is say, look to me and I'll show you what to do that's right from the very beginning. So it's always when you have a mistake that they made, you redirect them back to what they should have done. That way every correction is really a correction that ends in a praise of the right behavior. That builds the trust. So I'm the parent, you're my puppy, you can trust me. Now here are the rules. Those are the four conversations. Always with these intentions. So all the all your trainers here, everybody's really clear on these intentions, and it just it's it's Even so the, clear watching the group that yes. that the dogs really feel that. When yes, I mean that that's the whole place. We check our emotions at the gate. There's no drama allowed on the premises. They need stability. They need calmness. They need structure, and we can't provide that if we're worrying about our outside lives as well. So even the kennel techs that really just kind of pick up poop and clean the rooms, they go into the rooms with a very definite state of mind and expectation for the dog to de-escalate, then we put the leash on, then we walk properly out the door. It's structure, kind structure. We call it patient insistence. We're absolutely insistent. This is how it's gonna be no matter what. You'll never be successful in any other thing than this, but you can trust me never to be loud or harsh or punishment but always not this, that instead. So huh. they never fear us, they look to us to guide them through this moment of uncertainty instead of going, I don't know what to do here, let me do what I normally do and put on a big show. Thank you. So I, ha I happen to know more of the background, but I'll sort of act like I don't. Um, Sarah, how how did you come into the mix, and who are you, In how do you know these people? Uh, Why are you here? So, <laughs> so my father was Bela's owner. Um, he had gotten sick and wasn't able to train her the way that she needed to be trained. He didn't have the strength to do that. Um, how we all came together this, we, um, my, my father did set up the, did set up the, the foster home with Rhea. Um, I met Rhea through my father, um, and he was saying, whenever, um, whenever he passed, he was, um, he made sure that everything was in line for us, making it easy, as easy for us as it could be. Um, he found the home with Rhea, um, and then after she took over, after she took over with Bela, she, she, like she said, she needed some help um, training Bela, getting in, getting her into a more less aggressive, less excited dog, if you will. Um, and that's how I met all of these people is through is through my father and through Rita. So 
started coming here and um, why? Uh, so I could take over. So I could take over. Being why did you want to? Why do I want to? Why do you? Um, want to? I love Bela. You know, she was she was awesome too. Um, as much as I want to take care of her, I can't. I'm not in any position in my life. I'm not in a stable home right now. I don't have um, the 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 land. I don't have a backyard right now. I'm gonna do at my father's house, but we're trying to fix it up and sell it mm -hmm. after that. And so after we find a home for Bela, that's when I'm moving out of my father's house. Ah. So, um, I wish I could find a home and just have her as my dog, but that's, I can't. <sighs> it's, um, there's always stories, but this one is really, really um, intricate and emotional and Touching. Yeah. You can you can curse all you want. It's my it's my iPhone. Um, Matt takes it one day at a time. You're gonna take it one day at a time. You don't really know what's gonna happen or how your life circumstances are gonna change. And wouldn't that be fabulous if the universe blessed you with this backyard and this house and, and we all live happily ever after. But just in case that doesn't work out the way you want it to, um, we need to find an adoptive home. Yeah. So um, let's go back. Can you say more specifically about what you guys are looking for in the perfect home for Bela? The perfect home for Bela will be um, not necessarily a dog, a home with dogs or without dogs, but with an owner that's comfortable providing structure in a kind way. This is a dog that, although she's over the top with intensity sometimes and she gets hyper excited, she's sensitive. And, and if she feels someone is, is correcting her, she takes it personally. They don't like her, not just what she's done. So this, is, this requires a, a person that, that can parent without becoming frustrated first, not wait for her to do all the right things, but guide her through what those right things are. Someone that will say, that will not say, you've arrived from your ordeal, you have the freedom of my home, just live life. Someone that will instead say, okay, now here are the rules for the front door, for the back door. Here's how to live in this home. That's what she needs more than anything. It's not whether there's a dog there or not. It's not whether there's a backyard or not. It's not whether there's a treadmill in the home or not. It's the person sitting on the couch next to her. Does she view that person as a parent? And can they grow into that? They don't have to naturally be that person. We can grow them into that here, but they do have to be someone that's not overly indulgent and believe that it's wrong to impose their will in any way because I'll show them how to impose their will in a loving parenting way where they won't have to feel guilty about it, but it's exactly what Bela needs and craves. Before just now, I, I felt like you can come in. I felt like it was a pretty tall order. It was like a needle in a haystack finding this freaking family. Now I'm sitting here going, I, there's a lot of people 
out there that will fit that description just perfectly. There are people looking it's not for dogs so like crazy. This. There are people that know, you know? that there's a there are dogs. Yeah. They will recognize this is a dog that not everybody can parent, but they can, and they're out looking for it. We just need to connect that person and this dog. In their family life. Like I think I think I have the ability to do it, but my entire family existence doesn't have the ability to do it. That's so, correct. She does need to be a priority. The kids don't when you have aren't mature enough. Kids, to, yeah. right. No. Right. Yeah. Um, she made the comment she made the comment Bela Bela belongs with a single female. I, I kind of agree with that. She belongs with someone who not necessarily a single female, but like someone someone who doesn't have children to look at look after or anything, anything like that, you know. So she yeah. Here's she what she does not need. She does not need someone that's getting Bela instead of a gun. You know, oh, so a single yeah. female that's afraid in her dorm room and just wants a big oh, yes. dog. No, you know, but so. I mean, from from my if she, if I was single, I would take her sure. on because she does provide a level of comfort in a big bad city. Mm. But I would that person say, has to be confident enough to manage her. And maybe right. she would do okay right. with yeah. older kids. I think a single family, a single female. I think a single male that's active. I think a young family. Uh, I think uh, I mean a young couple. <laughs> Uh, maybe someone with 12-year-old kids right. or old, older, that kind of thing. I think there's a wide array yeah. of home situations that she could do very well in. What it all comes back to is their structure in the home. So if I go into the home and the kid's are all wearing black and he's pissed off and he doesn't do anything, the parents say, and mom says, I don't know what to do, that's not the right home for her. Someone that comes in and there's structure and everyone knows their job and, and they're communicating, she can do well in a wide array of situations if that's at the core of the home. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally. Sarah, how has this training, what do you think of this training so far and how, what kind of effect has it had in your, in your life? I have more of an understanding on how to not necessarily correct the dog, like if something happens, I know how to go about that and, and fix the situation. It's even even the few times that I've been with, with, with Matt, it's, it's, I've completely changed with how I interact with Bronson. Completely changed with how I interact with Bronson. And it's, it's more of a parenting thing and I love that. So it's, it's become more of, I have Bronson, just um, Bronson's owner for that, but like as his, yeah, you heard him say anything. Uh, as his, as his mom, you know, this is this is my this is my fur baby, this is my child, you know, and uh, it's it's I I'm eager, I'm very excited to have Bela a part of this family, even if it is just going to be for a certain period of time, and it's it's helped me with for my future dogs. What happen if when I get my mm -hmm. future dogs, whenever if if whatever happens along the along the way, but. Um, more knowledge. What has Bela taught you so far? <laughs> I'm trying to put this. Hold on. She get um, working on my frustration, not getting frustrated with her because she gets so out of. She just gets too worked up and everything. And it, 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 it's taught me how to, to just calm down, take a breath, you know, because that's going to calm her down too. So not getting as frustrated whenever things aren't going the way that it needs to Realizing be. Realizing that that's a cry of help. Yes. She's saying, I need help yes. calming down. Not that it's a thing against you going, I'm going crazy exactly. against you. 
She's saying, help me, and then stepping into that role and helping her de-escalate by de-escalating yourself. Uh, that's what I saw you doing over and over when you first came out. I know. <laughs> we have a doggy in the room. Do you have... This is personal, and if I ask you something personal that you're like, fuck you, then just don't answer it. <laughs> I have this feeling like this sense that you and Bela are similar in that way that you're learning how to ask for help yourself in your life. Is, is that, does that fit at all? I mean, yeah. I mean, this is the new my father passed Yeah. So I'm, oh, um, I'm daddy's girl. <laughs> I, I take after my father in every way, so losing my best friend. Oh, he was your best friend. Like, I, oh my God. <laughs> Way and you're still grieving, you're still with bereavement, that there could be any silver lining. This this idea of you getting to spend this time, this quality time with his dog to me is so gorgeous. It just a you've got to feel him still through her, right? Yes. I just got the chills. It's just it's a Beautiful. great way to honor his memory. Yes. I want to know what Bela's taught you, Rhea. That <laughs> <laughs> I do not know a lot. <laughs> um, About yeah. training Bela. Well, no, I, I mean, I've always been confident that I could make the situation work, that I could find the dog the right. right situation, and that if it didn't work, that dog would have a place in my home forever. This is the first dog that that has not happened, that I've not been able to integrate her into my home. Even through training, I know that I cannot keep Bela forever because of my family life, my kids, my dogs. Um, but she's also put me in touch with Matt and opened me up to a whole new way of living that is not only about my relationships with my dogs, but it's how I communicate with my children. Because you start to think about, as a true parent, 
what are you doing? Are you only praising? Are you only praising at certain times? Are you only pointing out when this kid is acting up? Are you only yelling when the dogs are barking? It make, it's made me more aware of my behaviors and interactions with everyone in my home. Okay, that is so amazing. That is so amazing. Wow. So... And of course, going forward, it, it will change how I integrate dogs and how I communicate with them. And my dog, you know, I have one that's been with me for 10 years and she's, she's passing away soon. She has bone cancer and we have a young dog. So with a lot of self-esteem issues. So it's changed and she's opened up since I've started this new method of communicating with her. She has a lot more confidence. The dog that you met today who ran up and licked you, she would normally mm-hmm. be hiding in the corner, tucking her tail. So cool. Um, I'm I'm rethinking my question. I'm sorry, because I think it might be too. Go ahead. Well, only because, like I told you, I I have my background's in psychology, and I sort of listen and see things and experience the world through this this filter. Um, Here's where I ask you the question that's probably not as easy as the other ones. what I kind of heard you say was a little bit of like perfectionist kind of things. Like I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a pattern in your life with perfectionist stuff. Like you really like to get it right the first time. You don't mess around. You know, <laughs> this is this girl's doing push-ups every day. And shit. <laughs> she does those. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And so I love that there were mistakes made because it was a new thing and that you're learning how to do it better and that you're accepting that that's the way you learn and it's all good and look at the magnificent things that are happening happening as a result and it's okay and I have a feeling that may spill over into other parts of your life too. Am I way off? I don't think so. Okay. I think that's fair. Okay. And then I won't bug you anymore. Um, what has Bela taught you, Matt? <laughs> um, and we'll end with that. I just a, another reassurance to never give up. Never. There's no dog beyond improvement some dogs plateau some dogs don't make it to full recovery but there's always a way to reach that dog there's always a reset button that you can hit if you look hard enough and that that what happens to Bela is much larger than what happens to Bela it affects a huge community of people and all the people that they reach. And that if I can take what I've learned from the dogs right up the street and pass their way of communicating to us and see the effect that it has with the mom and kids and stuff way beyond here, that Mm. she's taught me I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I know you believe that we're all connected just because I know you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's just. I love to see how it's playing out because we are dog obsessed. 
I need OCD training for my dog obsession. Yeah. This or never ocean. happened to me as a trainer, teaching a dog to sit and stay, teaching you know, Pookie not to make pee-pee on the carpet. Right. But when you work with only the exceptions, only the dogs that are outside of the realm that many people understand, you know, that that's when progress is made on a large scale, I think. And so it, she is another link in this long chain that, um, that says that there's much, much more going on than just, just the emotional stuff that the dogs give us. That it's us giving them what they need that does something good for us. And it's all about the blessings. You're getting some and you're getting, she just, she's came into everybody's life mm -hmm. for a reason. I, I got a lot out of this today, wow. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop this.